0: Then God said, let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. That's Genesis one twenty six, And uh, we're back with another episode of the Dominion podcast. And we want to, uh, with this podcast, our goal is to seek out what true biblical dominion is, and seek out how we can apply that to mm-hmm. our lives and to our congregations and mm-hmm. our families and our jobs in every area of life. So that's what we're here to do. I am your beta host, Jeremy Boyd, <laughs> and uh, we got uh, Alex Klusterman here tonight, Pastor Al, as as they call him, Yeah, as the kids are calling him on the street. That's what the kids say. Pastor Al. And we got a special guest tonight, Pastor Jason Belgrave of Westmount Bible Chapel, mm-hmm. which is my home church. So... Thanks for joining us, Jason. Absolutely. You know what, guys? It's surreal to sit, first of
1: all, in this studio. I know you've made much with the listeners, try to give them the visuals, but in so many ways, visually and maybe emotionally... I feel like I've arrived tonight. Like, this, this is it. I've hit the pinnacle. I am on the Dominion podcast with Jeremy and Al. Like, so I've arrived. I don't know what happens from here on out, but, man, I've arrived.
0: Man, you need to set your expectations a little higher. I don't, well, pinch me. <laughs> All right. Well, tonight we are, uh, and f- fittingly tonight, since we've got... Uh, Pastor Alex, Pastor Jason here, Mm -hmm. from two churches in Peterborough that have been partnering together a lot over the last year and a half. Mm -hmm. We're talking about uh, unity, biblical Mm -hmm. unity, what that means. We're going to define it. We're going to talk about uh, what what it means for us to live that out. So Mm -hmm. I'll just pass this over to Alex, and you can uh, get us started.
2: Yeah, well, unity is something. I mean, if you've been in Christian circles for all of five minutes, words like love, God, Jesus, and unity have probably come up. And uh, unity is something that a lot of people, a lot of genuine Christians intuitively know is a good thing, but very few people actually define it biblically. Um, there's there's a sense in which, and I would say most human beings, to some degree, uh, would, if you were to ask anyone on the street, do you think unity is a good thing? Just a generic statement. Most people would say yes, right? It's good when people, you know, maybe the definition the definition is like get along with one another. Right. Um we're not in conflict with one another. Like that's not a controversial statement. Um but what the Bible teaches about what the nature of unity is and how we get that unity is is very different than what the world might imagine. You mentioned dominion, the idea of dominion and I didn't even think to right on this but but backing up in a biblical perspective God created the world and he gave Adam and Eve the dominion mandate um over all of creation and one of, obviously, sin in the fall, we talk about Genesis 3, the, the kind of um, moving away from that dominion mandate to live as sons and daughters of God, as children, as servants, as worshipers with God as the center and obedience to his word, living by faith, moving away from that. But what we um, haven't touched on yet is something even like the Tower of Babel. Mm. Where there's a, an effort by humanity, it's almost a caricature of the Dominion Mandate. It's let's come together and put our resources together to glorify ourselves. Right. And this is often what you see, and then God scatters them right. um, across the face of the earth. But they were actually, they were actually rejecting God's means for unity. And they were actually rejecting the goal of unity, which is the glory of God, Jesus Mm -hmm. said, "You know that praise that we would be one, that that the Father and the Son would be glorified in John 17. Mm. Um, And then what they actually get is
0: chaos. Right. So they're attempting to reproduce uh, the godly end with sinful means. Yeah. Right.
2: Which is kind of like all sin and idolatry is that. Right. There's a hint of seeking a good thing but going about it in the wrong way.
0: So what you're saying is that unity is not always good.
2: It's not it's not good in and of itself. Right. Right. And we can get more into that. Just but,
0: like we would say love or hate are not good yeah. in and of themselves. It depends on what we're loving, what we're hating.
2: Yeah. If you love what is evil, that's not a good <laughs> yeah, thing. Yeah. So um so yeah, but unity is not just a, a state of mind that is good for Christians. That God's goal for humanity is unity, union with God through Jesus Christ, and union with one another. Mm. And so, unity, just by way of introduction, is very important, mm. and it's one of the um, reasons Christ died that his that his followers would be one, as he and the Father are one. And right. so, Christians should all care deeply about what unity is. Mm. Um, But here we are, and maybe I'll send it back over to you, in a time where it feels like the church is really divided. And even our churches and us personally, we we have taken positions that are not popular. And the criticism, uh, which is is worth considering, is don't you care about the unity of the church? Hmm. Um, Do you think... You know or that you're just a bunch of lone rangers or something like that. So we just, thought, you know, why don't we
0: talk about biblical unity
2: and and we think it is very important. Uh, but what does what does that mean?
0: Maybe I'll throw Biblically. this over to Jason and ask yeah. you the question. Mm-hmm. Uh, unity. How do we how do we achieve it, and is is it to be achieved at any cost? I mean, how would you put this? sort of in its right place. Mm -hmm. Well, no, it's
1: a great question. And as Alex said, I mean, it is the question of the day Mm -hmm. when there's many accusations, especially with those uh, that are, it would seem, going about this differently and being branded as renegade. Uh, Mm -hmm. This is the question of the day. So you said something, Alex, earlier that I think is so important. Uh, We can uh, seek unity, but seek it the wrong way. Yeah, And I think that becomes a launch point for I think guys what at least in part we need to talk about you know when I think about the unregenerate when I think about the world Mm unity is very popular Mm -hmm. in the world it's Mm -hmm. very popular with all mankind Mm -hmm. so to speak The problem is, and we recognize this with so many things in the Christian life, when you seek these good things the wrong way, you'll never achieve it. mm -hmm. And that's why, whether it's United Nations or a kumbaya, whatever it may be, is trying to seek out something that is good and right, that flows from the Trinity, Mm -hmm. right? Right. Uh, Ultimately, but seeking it the wrong way. Mm -hmm. So first, we'd want to define biblical unity as not an abstract concept. Yeah. It is not something that's out there, and we hope we get there if we just keep talking nicely to one another. Yeah. Biblical unity is concrete, yeah. and, and, and you know, I think about so many passages coming to my mind right now. You know, I think about Ephesians four and, and others, but I was yeah. talking to Jeremy earlier about, particularly Philippians four one, "Yudi Syntyche, It's not just Paul says agree but it is agree in the Lord. Yeah. There's your fixed object that defines what unity is. Mm -hmm. As a Christian, there's a fixed point of unity and it Mm -hmm. is the Lord Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. You know, I think of the irony brothers where a few years ago, what was, well, what birthed organizations like the gospel coalition? Mm -hmm. It was unity in the gospel Mm -hmm. of a fixed point of what the biblical gospel is. Mm -hmm. And isn't it Mm -hmm. interesting now Mm -hmm. If not sad that many have departed from that same paradigm mm-hmm. for biblical unity, mm-hmm. where we would say it's the Lord Jesus Christ. If you are not coming under His lordship, if you're not unified in Christ and what He defines unity as, you will never be
0: unified mm-hmm. at all. Hmm. Maybe before we go any further, I'll give. Um, uh, I came up earlier with sort of real two quick, quick and easy definitions. One is the secular definition. And one would be what I perceive to be the Christian definition. Mm-hmm. Maybe we can go from there and mm. get into some more specifics. But uh, Secular unity is based on common beliefs or interests and is broken when what can be gained from the other loses its value. Mm. And Christian unity is based on the work of Christ and of his bringing together a peculiar people under the banner of his household. It does not rely on what we can gain from each other, but demands that we serve one another's interests. Mm. What do you guys think of that?
2: That's great, Jerry. You're our resident theologian. <laughs> no, that was no, that was great. Well,
0: right. I, I was reading First Peter three eight earlier, and there's just I'm getting the sense that God wants us to actually have one mind. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, we have the mind of Christ, right? First mm-hmm. Corinthians. Um, mm-hmm. That's hard for us to understand because it's almost like God is saying, put your own desires aside. And have the same mind. So in in 1 Peter 3 8, Paul writes, um, sorry, Peter writes, finally, all of you have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, and a humble mind. Unity of mind, I mean that would that would almost make it seem like we're we're supposed to be robots, mm-hmm. but obviously we're not, we're individuals. So how do we how do we tease that out? What is that unity? What is it that gives us unity of mind? Well, Paul talks
2: about the same thing in Philippians. Mm-hmm. Striving side by side for the faith of the gospel, mm-hmm. and he gives a military image of um, soldiers. Actually, what was what was the formation that the well the Greeks and then the Romans marched oh, in the
0: uh, phalanx?
2: Yes, and you're basically you know your your shield is the protection of your Neighbor. brother, right? right? Mm-hmm. And he gives this image of them marching side by side. So it's not as, it's not uniformity. It's actually a common goal or aim driving right. all that we do. So, us, we will, we will, all of us in our various spheres of life and responsibilities have many thoughts come to mind. It doesn't mean we all literally think the same thing, but it means that we have the same guiding thought, which is the glory of Christ and, right. um, and the good of others and love for others. And the amazing thing about biblical unity is that when you have the main things, the main thing, when you have the driving force and the aim, the telos, the goal of your life, the same, which is Christ, there's a lot of room for difference. Hmm. But the irony is when you have a worldly sense, a shallow sense of unity, you actually have, you have no room for difference. It's like conformity, uniformity. Right. You have to have the same on
0: every little thing or there's no unity. Right. I mean, I, I mean, we're seeing that on a cultural level right now. Mm-hmm. Right? If you don't fall in line, we can't be we can't be united. All or nothing. It's all or mm-hmm. nothing. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: And it's a freedom versus a fear. What you oh, see yeah. operating is mm-hmm. a fear that you don't walk and talk and look exactly like this. Mm-hmm. Versus, and we say this so often with life in Christ, union with Christ, the freedom of submitting yourself to the lordship of Jesus Christ, mm-hmm. and yeah. all the the blessing. That comes from that. And like you said, Alex, that there is room for differences, yeah. healthy differences. Mm-hmm. We can have healthy discourse mm-hmm. and and honestly engage these things mm-hmm. under Christ yeah. and in Christ. Mm-hmm. I was thinking also, um, I think I mentioned this, Ephesians 4, uh, again, on that point, your biblical definition of unity, Jeremy, that the mind of Christ, 1 uh, right. Corinthians 2 you know, in verse 15 of that chapter in Ephesians 4, when uh, Paul gives us that neat little ecclesiology of the church to equip the saints, right, for yeah. the work of the ministry. He says this, speaking the truth in love, we're to grow up in every way into him who is the head in yeah. Christ. Mm. And that's the difference. Biblical unity, again, we talk about this, the, the commonality, the fixed point, mm-hmm. who is our head, mm-hmm. versus all these other amorphous, ambiguous, abstract yeah. definitions. Yeah. So you're, you're trying to get a package of my-isms mm-hmm. to coexist with yours, Jeremy, or right. yours, Alex. Mm-hmm. And that, and again, as you work. say, it doesn't
0: work. So that's that's what you were saying, Alex, about having that overriding sort of transcendent telos or truth. Mm-hmm. right? If you don't have that, which the world doesn't, then it ends up being just a matter of outward conformity mm-hmm. or... Uh, superficial conformity yeah
2: you replace it with something else that can't handle the weight of diversity so if you make it my race my sexuality my my favorite uh recreational thing you know you know drinking like whatever that is sports whatever it is that's fine but that can't handle the weight of reality of life life involves so much more than that and if 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 you if that's the reference point, if that's a rallying point, the banner that we're all kind of unifying under is our favorite team, our our gender or our sexuality, our politics or something, that's so shallow because mm. life is so much bigger than that. But Christ is above all. All things were created by and for and through and to him. And he can handle the weight as a reference point for all of reality. He's the only one that can because all of reality finds its reference point Mm -hmm. and its goal and its telos, its aim in him. So it's actually just futile to try to do away with Christ and put another banner up. And I mean, you see this politics is a big one now. Especially in the States, you notice this. And it's how divided is the United States right now? I mean, when you put something else in the place of Christ to unite, all you get is chaos. Yep. A summary I, I kind of, I have, that technical definition is incredible. Um, I just say that, you know, the biblical logic of unity is, um, in Christ you have been made one, therefore be one. Right. And it gets at both the fact of our unity, which is a just a fact, and it's something that God produces, and then there's the act of unity. It's walking in step with that. Um, And this is how, you know, Oxford describes unity. It's basically the action of joining together or the fact of being joined together. Right. And the biblical definition, beautifully, is actually both, and you need both. So, on the one hand... Ephesians 4, back to the beginning of the chapter, Jason hit it. Paul says, Walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility, gentleness, patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit. So, there is one body and there is one spirit. That's a fact. Right. That there's there's only one body and one
0: spirit. We're and not creating that. By we're not creating to, that. By trying to get along.
2: No, that that just is a fact. And God has done that. Um, God is the one who actually did that. Uh, united us with with Him, with Himself by His Spirit, and to each other by His Spirit. But we are to maintain the unity. Of the Spirit, mm. so that there's a call to action and responsibility in Christians. This is right. the New Testament ethic, basically. Be who you are. You mm. know, um, this is who Christ is and Since what He's then. done. Yes, yeah. exactly. Mm. And so, when you discuss unity, you need to start with, okay, what is the fact of biblical unity? And it actually, you said it comes back to the Trinity. It begins mm. apart from us. It begins with the work of God through Christ to um, to to uh, redeem a people for Himself and a people from every tribe and nation and tongue. And as an aside, you know it's a beautiful thing. Is that in the Book of Revelation we have uh, in the new creation we actually have a people from every tribe and nation and tongue praising and, and revelation um, when they're standing before the throne who is worthy 19. worthy is the lamb who was slain 19 I don't know I
0: can't know.
1: Well, you got uh, four or five and six yes. and you get those oh, okay. refrains yes. there okay. But okay. I'm, I'm referencing the lamb. both yeah yeah
2: and you you see a wonderful unity of a one people but they're from every nation mm. and tribe mm. and tongue and in heaven uh, in the new heavens and the new earth will be an, will be the most diverse place and the most unified place. Mm. Yeah. It's a beautiful vision. No. Oh,
1: well, it makes me think too, Alex, and not that we go down rabbit holes here, but Galatians 3:28, right? That so many will pervert that text that speaks to what you're talking about. Mm. In Christ, right. there's a transcendent bond in Christ. There's yes. no male or female, yes. Jew or Greek. There is this sense where what we're getting at here when we talk about unity is is unity in in Christ. Yes. Unity in Christ and ultimately that's what will be revealed. Yes. That we were unified in Christ. We are unified in Christ. And yeah, people will go to that and of course uh, take the machete to it. But yes, yeah. it's, it's exactly what you're saying. Yes. That Christ and Christ alone mm-hmm. is who cuts through all divides that mm-hmm. we would put up when we ha- hang on to our little sack of needs and isms and stuff that we want to bring to the the table, right? Yes. That's the stuff, I think, too, men of the, the secular idea, well, you bring your non-negotiables, you yeah. bring the things you don't want to hang on to. So church A, mm-hmm. you bring the things that you think you must do. Church B, you bring those as if someone's going to mediate that and we'll find unity. No. That's the stuff of litigation today. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. This is not the stuff of Christ. No. Again, the fixed point of reference.
0: Yeah. And uh, you kind of talked about this a little last night. Uh, we had dinner together and... Um, we were talking about all the different churches in peterborough and and uh, the group of us around the table were like, "Oh, I know that person they used to mm. go there and I, they, "Oh, then they started going there and, mm. and uh, we were talking about that, and it just struck me how little commitment there is from people to to covenant with a group of people mm. and maintain that unity. But at the first sign of one of these external differences, oh I don't like this music or yeah, I didn't like that particular sermon I'm going to go to another church." Mm. You know, that's not, that's not biblical unity. Mm-hmm. No.
1: Yeah. And let me, let me give an example here, Jeremy. And I think this is good as we think about, you know, Alex, we've had many over the past few months, but, uh, and maybe this is a good springboard to getting really practical. I don't know, but we had Jeremy, as you know, being at Westmount, um, we as elders, we, we haven't thread this thing perfectly. Mm-hmm. We, we are human beings and, you know, prone to these kinds of things. And we one of the missteps we had last fall was, you know, significant enough where we'd like a do-over on that mm. particular Sunday. But it was hard for many. Mm. And Jeremy, I just think about you uh, in, a, in a moment. It was hard for you. It was hard for many. And how many people well, would I'd want like to a do over on that too. Yeah, <laughs> Can we work on that? Can we, can we just rewind?
2: Yeah. That? Can we just hit
1: pause? Do you guys yeah. know a way to do do overs? <laughs> oh, especially those cringe worthy do overs oh, yeah. that yeah. keep you up at night. Well, Jeremy but, knows this was a cringe worthy do over, okay. but here's the point. Yeah. We had not only Jeremy, but others, Alex mm-hmm. hang in and say, Hey, you know, the, what are we here for? Who are we? Mm-hmm. What is our identity, mm-hmm. Jeremy? For sure, and this is what we were talking about. People just, speak, you know, whether it's the carpet or mm. what you did on a given Sunday, yeah. mm-hmm. first sign of trouble, you're
0: at the door. You're gone.
1: Mm-hmm. And yeah. how we had a group, Jeremy, and many others, just like, okay, we're going to persevere in this thing. Yeah, we're, we're going to figure this out together. Yeah. But I think the key, men, is what is our fixed point of reference? Yeah. To keep saying it, it's yeah. Jesus Christ. And we went after that debriefed, thought through these things. It's not, all the culture says we need to do this, or do you know that most churches are doing it? I mean, we went back. I mean, Jeremy and I talked, the elders talked. What does the Bible say? Mm -hmm. I remember the meeting we had literally, figuratively, Mm -hmm. on our knees. What does the Bible say we should be doing? Mm -hmm. We talk about singing and these kinds of things. Mm -hmm. So, But coming back to that transcendent uh, standard and fixed point of reference we keep saying that because i i think that it's so helpful to say it's not about us no it's not about me giving a little bit and jeremy giving a little bit no it's about what christ dictates as the bonds of unity
2: yeah well unity is um to kind of close the fact part of it unity is a gift that's what we're saying unity is fundamentally a gift of god's grace um it's part of our salvation jesus talks about this in john 17 Um, He prays that we would be one, just as you, Father, Mm. are in me and I in you, that they may also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. Mm. So he's praying that we would be one, Mm. and he's going to the cross to make that possible. It's a gift. And our unity is actually a fundamental part of our witness, he says. Uh, The glory that you have given me, I give to them. So it's a gift that they may be one, even as we are one. So it's clearly our unity is not the product of our politicizing and our scheming and our character and our virtue. It's actually just a sheer gift of God's grace through what Christ has done. Mm. Um, It's a reflection, obviously, of the union that Christ has with his Father. They may be one as as I am in you and you are in me. And it's to be pursued by all Christians. We read that from Ephesians 4. But kind of coming to what we're talking about, Uh, the depth of unity experienced by Christians is proportionate to and dependent upon our faithful allegiance and conformity to Jesus. Mm -hmm. And this is what we're saying. Mm -hmm. When you talk about unity um, at the forefront of the conversation, but Jesus is in the background, and by Jesus I mean what the Bible teaches about him, not a slogan thrown around, Um, and both in, in proper doctrine, but also proper living, right living, sound doctrine, healthy. You just don't get unity. Um, We see this in John 17. A lot of people skip over this. He says, uh, keep them in your name, which you have given me, that they may be one. Mm. And people often skip over what this actually uh, means I, I like D.A. Carson's summary he says they cannot be one as Jesus and the father are one unless they are kept in God's name, i.e. this is what that means in loyal allegiance to his gracious self disclosure mm-hmm. in the person of his son, mm-hmm. which basically we could sum that up in layman's terms to say it's as, as much as you are faithful to what scripture says about Jesus not in just your, your confession, but your living, and your life and doctrine align with Scripture, you will have unity. And when they don't align with Scripture and its teachings about Jesus, you just won't have unity. Yep. And, and people just get, they read, even John 17, how many people will just pull out a quote that they may be one while they they neglect that fact? It's like, well, who is Jesus, the Son? Who is yeah. the Father? What does it mean to be one? Like, what what else is there to this?
1: You know, it's lost, Alex, when I think about uh, people that would claim on the other side that uh, we are not pursuing unity, we are being divisive. Yeah. They would actually claim we're not being Christ like. Yeah. I think about a text, Romans 14 is one, right? We've heard thrown around Romans 13, Romans 14, men embedded in that passage. Mm-hmm. Think of verse 18. Paul says, whoever thus, listen to this, serves Christ Mm -hmm. is acceptable to God and approved by men. We could go on an excursus just on the approval of men that's being sought outside of the Lordship of Christ. That's another day. But to say, even here, you're talking about the flexibility in unity, Alex? even in the text talking about what that could look like mm-hmm. say a romans 14 a true exegetical treatment of it paul says ultimately it's your reminder in the middle of the text you're still serving christ yeah you're still serving christ so let's put these you're still honoring the lord he says a few verses earlier mm-hmm. so lest we think that this is something where oh individuality to you know inflates to a point where You hear this often, well, God understands the differences between churches and between men. There are not just a a fixed point of reference in Christ, the fixed standard of obedience. Jeremy, we were talking on the way here. We can't even get past obedience Mm. to the head. So if we can't even get out of the gate and say we're obeying the Mm. head, we're going to get everything else wrong. And that's exactly what you're seeing. 100%.
2: You can't set aside obedience for the pursuit of unity, yeah, right? Because you won't get either. No, and that's what everyone's trying to do. It's like, yeah. well, we don't need to talk about obedience or what that actually looks like, and we shouldn't disagree about that, but we should still be united for the sake of right. our unity. This is where and we, that we've undermines what it. Jesus said.
0: We've elevated the unity to the, that's the, the only thing we care about. Yeah. Right? yeah. So to get practical here, it's like, well, uh, you know, we've got a difference of opinion on theology at this church. Uh, If we actually continue to press the point, we're going to cause a problem. Yeah. Mm. So why don't we just forget about it for the sake of unity? But then then back to the beginning, we've
2: actually adopted an unbiblical view of unity then. We're using that word, but we don't mean the same thing. Mm. What we mean is kind of like in a marriage where you have tons of problems, but you agree to disagree. Right. Mm. We know those couples who, yeah, they're together for the kids. Right. Uh, yeah, they didn't leave each other, but, but they don't love each other. They don't talk to each other. They don't agree on anything. But we need to be unified. We need mm-hmm. to be unified for the kids. It's like, well, what do you mean by that? Because if your standard of unity is we simply don't leave each other, what a shallow. And a lot of churches have the same attitude, right? It's like, well, as long as we're all showing up to the room on Sunday— we're unified, and God forbid we should have any disagreements, but God's vision of unity is is the Godhead, yes. is the mutual love that flows between the Father, the Son, and the Spirit, and the union that is so deep between them, not just not killing each other, <laughs> right? Yeah. It's such a low standard, but we actually want to say, no, that's not unity. That is our goal for Christian unity Is a like-mindedness in the gospel. The the circle back to that: a unity of mind, of aim, of direction, of goal in life, of purpose of our existence, and um, willingness to sacrifice for each other in order to bring that about. Um, That can't happen except by going into those tough places Mm. having those hard conversations Mm. and i'm sure you can testify as a pastor that how has it gone when you thought you know what i just don't want to rock the boat we won't bring this up some things you don't need to you don't need to be nitpicky but there's some things i'm sure you've had the feeling of i know how this is probably going to go initially (laughs) Mm. and i'm just tempted to not deal with it Mm. does that ever work out oh (laughs) like does that ever unify your church and i'm not talking about just the patient prayerful look plodding along we're all at we're all growing i just mean there's something that needs to be dealt with and you just don't and
0: you're like because i want to preserve the unity it just doesn't work i'm not going to teach this controversial doctrine because i know people disagree yeah Right. And then what kind of what kind of unity
2: is that? Mm. It's like, well, as we know I know that you would be angry if I said this, mm. but I won't say it for unity. It's like that's not you're not unified with that person. Mm -hmm.
0: You know, and even aside from unity, you're robbing the sheep of teaching. Of course. And growth
2: into the to the head as, as Jason. Right, mm-hmm. speaking
1: yeah, the truth in like,
0: love. Look like you wanted to say something on that,
1: well, I, I, I was Well, man, I mean, you know, I feel like we can amen all of these things together. There's a sense where I would even go as far to say it is unloving. I, I feel like in some senses, yeah. so many have said that, but that... I can't think, as I hear you break down these examples, something more unloving than that. And we can think of many parallels to that. But
0: love never causes bad feelings, yeah. Jason. Didn't you know that?
2: <laughs> you, know,
1: <laughs> you know... Okay, yeah. you're not
2: a resident theologian. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> you lost the title.
1: Alex has Started the con. strong. <laughs> well, the parallels, Alex, I was thinking, too, you talked about relationally, mm. the marriage once, you know, for the kids. Mm-hmm the parallels in a marriage when you think about two people having to get along it's the same thing Mm -hmm. right we we can map this to really any relationship Mm -hmm. it will not go well if you avoid the hard things yeah they don't go away they don't yeah i mean (laughs) (laughs) can i get an amen husbands can i get get, an amen they they get harder they don't you you need to go in that tunnel you need to talk about it and yeah you know can we say maybe alex this is a good point at least to bring up um, the fact that, and maybe for Dominion Podcast listeners, they may think they're just cranking out churches, right? Like mm-hmm. Hill City Baptist Church, Westmount Bible Chapel. Mm-hmm. No, Alex, would you not say our churches are different? Our approaches mm-hmm. in this have mm-hmm. been different? And, you know, we don't have to unveil all the nuances of that. But all to say, starting, mm-hmm. one of the things that I'm thankful for when we talk about unity tonight mm-hmm. is the fact that we started on the same platform. Mm-hmm. So we know, and we had an early conversation, we obey the Lord Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. We will gather. Mm-hmm. We will sing. How is this going to flesh out in our mm-hmm. two churches in the Peterborough community? Mm-hmm. We didn't have all the answers. yeah. But this is our starting guiding principle. Mm-hmm. We will gather because the Lord Jesus Christ commands us to. Mm-hmm. And I think we can say for uh, the listeners too, many things. Is this not true, Alex, that we've approached differently? corporately as a church personally you and i but it's been a blessed union mm-hmm. and, and i mean this i i think of you talking earlier about we can look and walk and talk differently
2: yeah right yeah amen The the unity i've, I've told many people and jared and i've talked about it a lot too i mean the unity that we share even between congregations who are different mm. in a multitude of ways um is is extraordinary. I mean, it's it's almost like I've never seen such a thing before. Mm. And I've been part of various fellowships and, and been in the church my whole life. And uh, there's nothing, There's I mean, what really stood out to me was when, because our unity has actually been a costly one. Mm. Um, it's not just for the applause. So people say, oh, they're unified. It was like a virtue signaling thing. It's like well we're unified in Christ and we're taking a lot of heat at the moment for it mm. right like we we get the police calling and the examiner calling and mm. the health unit showing up and you know we're meeting in parks and fields and and uh the, there's there's the pastoral challenges have come up through it and it hasn't been easy mm. um and it's there's differences but the the it just makes me think of Philippians, mm. you know, side by side for the sake of the gospel. Mm. And uh it's just uh it's a beautiful thing. When when Christ, according to scripture and all that it commands of us, is at the center, um, I mean, you can do so much together. Mm. And and the cool thing is too, you have the you actually have the freedom to discuss the other things. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Because because our foundation is Christ, I feel, I mean, what was it? I walked into your office and talked to you about, uh, I have office space at Westmount. So sometimes Jason and I are there together and I just barge in, but <laughs> I, uh, I, he's like working away. I'm like, hey, have you ever thought about this? That's what happens. Well, I wasn't at the moment. I was thinking about this, but actually now that you bring it up, it was something to do with church polity. Mm-hmm. Forget, oh, children, yeah, yeah. baptism, yes. children, And uh, just something where we we hadn't formally landed on these things yet. Mm. Just talking through it. I didn't know if you would agree with what I'm like, I'm going to lay out for you what I'm thinking. Mm. I don't know if Jason agrees. I think we actually do agree on this for the most part, but I didn't care. Like I wanted to know if he had thought of anything from scripture that I wasn't thinking about. Mm. And when you are united in the faith and the main thing is the main thing, you're not what if I leave the office and Jason gives his side and it's different? And I say my side and I realize I just don't agree with him. And it's like, it's all good. Like I would have learned something mm-hmm. and and it's fine. And the irony is that when you seek unity apart from truth mm-hmm. and apart from a deep truth and commitment to Christ, you end up getting offended over everything. Yeah. It's like there's no room for even the littlest disagreement. Mm. And you can have that in marriages and in friendships and in churches. Mm. But when you actually are united around the main thing, you you not only you don't just set aside your disagreements, you can even just talk about them. Yeah. You yeah. know what I mean? And it's a, it's like a I don't mean to sound Hokey, but it's like a safe place to do that. Absolutely. Because the relationship isn't imperiled, because a relationship is based on Christ. Mm-hmm. The relationship is secure. It's the fact of what Jesus has done for us on the cross and his resurrection, his ascension, and the giving of his spirit. We're one. And we are seeking to live that out by being obedient to his word. Part of how we do that is we have conversations and we seek correction and we exhort one another.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, Alex, I think, again, my mind is going to all the parallels, but I even think of parenting in the same way we we tell mm-hmm. our boys, uh, obedience to Christ, we obey the Lord. Mm-hmm. It's kind of that umbrella that you're under, right? And there's lots of room under that umbrella. Yeah. And in the same way, they, you know, we always tell them, mother and father, we want to engage, we want to talk about differences, you're thinking mm-hmm. through something differently. But it starts from, okay, mm-hmm. there's an obedience to our Lord and obedience to mom and dad and there's plenty of room to walk through and mm-hmm. again like you and I have had many office conversations mm-hmm. where I, can we say Alex it, it's sharpening even mm-hmm. we know that maybe we're approaching this differently mm-hmm. the main thing is the main thing and we can wrestle it out we yeah. we've had in the day i think about talking about church polity on a broader mm-hmm. level mm-hmm. the way church governance operates mm-hmm. and there's been a lot of good stuff flowing from that. We're not running around insecure and mm-hmm. feeling like oh I don't know, you know what Hill City's doing or what mm-hmm. Westbound's doing. But again, this comes back to guys as we come back to the order of the day. You need to start with the main thing and it yeah. just strikes me so many people have missed that key first step. Yeah, It's like a lot of people running around that haven't been baptized, yeah. trying to live the Christian life. Yeah. Right. I don't know why I'm struggling with disobedience. I don't know why I'm struggling with sin. Mm. Well, have you been baptized? Yeah. Well, no, let's not, don't quibble about these things right now. I mean, I've got a real problem. Yeah, but have you been baptized? Mm-hmm. The first step of obedience. Yeah, well, I don't, it doesn't, right? Yeah. It's mm-hmm. kind of the same kind of thing. And that's what you see, people then going at each other when they're missing yeah. the main thing. Yeah, mm-hmm. they want
0: the sanctification without the discipline that goes goes into it. Yeah, exactly. Um, Exactly. Well, this is great, guys. And uh, so far, I mean, we've been talking a bit about the positive aspect of what unity means Mm -hmm. for us. Yeah. Um, But the Bible also lays out situations where disunity are required. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to read a passage from 1 Corinthians 5 right now, and this Mm -hmm. is a passage we would go to when we're talking about church discipline Mm -hmm. or how we would... um, uh, attempt to correct somebody or excommunicate them. Mm-hmm. And so this is 1 Corinthians 5. I'm going to start at um, verse 10, and I think I'll read 10 and 11. Mm. Uh, actually, I'll start at 9. I wrote to you in my letter not to associate with sexually immoral people, not at all meaning the sexually immoral of this world or the greedy, uh, the greedy and swindlers or idolaters, since then you would need to go out of the world. But now I am writing to you not to associate with anyone who bears the name of brother if he is guilty of sexual immorality or greed or is an idolater, reviler, drunkard, or swindler, not even to eat with such a one. So here we see a biblical exhortation to essentially disown somebody, uh, not of the world. You know, we wouldn't expect, uh, uh, you know, thorn bushes to bear fruit, mm-hmm. uh, but when somebody is claiming to be a uh, you know, a professing believer, and they're not bearing the fruit, and they're uh, stubbornly in sin. Um, Paul says, "Don't even associate with that person. Don't yeah. have dinner with them." Uh, you know, in in uh, first is it first John or second John? Where he says, "Don't even let them into your house." Uh, if if somebody comes to your house yep. and they're preaching a different gospel, mm-hmm. don't even let them in. Don't associate. So there's clearly times where um, it's God's will that we actually. Have disunity, of course. In a sense, mm-hmm. I, I guess it's not disunity because since unity is transcendent, yeah, we don't have unity with them. Yeah. If they're not true brothers, we don't have that unity. So don't act like it. I guess is the point. Hmm.
2: Yeah, well, it's what unity does. Light have with darkness, right. right? And so it's it's not breaking our unity. It's actually protecting and maintaining it. Hmm. And he, he says in Romans sixteen. Um, I appeal to you, brothers, watch out for those who cause divisions Mm. and create obstacles contrary to the doctrine that you have been taught and to avoid them. So you have people in the church who are causing division, and it's related to the things that they are teaching. For such persons do not serve our Lord, but their own appetites. Again, they're not unified because the goal and the aim of their life, their master, is not Jesus. It's themselves. They're at the center. And by smooth talk and flattery, they deceive the hearts of the naive. But get this though, who is the divisive person in this text? Smooth talking people. Most people think the divisive one is the, the, the you know, when we preach a, a hard sermon or something, you know, someone who is right. direct, right. direct and, um, you know, that that person is a divisive one. But Mr. Nice Guy who's always building people up. Flattery means he's basically never saying something bad about people, mm. right? This is someone who's characterized by making you feel good about yourself. Mm-hmm, right. You need a category in your brain for the divisive person in your church being the nicest person. Mm. <laughs> Most Christians don't have that category. Yeah. Mm. They think the divisive person is the forthright person, the one who takes things so seriously, the one who calls sin say who says something's wrong um who who says someone is wrong. That's a divisive person. Mm, yeah. But Paul's yeah. like, nah, the guy in your church who's causing the most division is probably uh the nicest guy mm. <laughs>
1: on the surface. Right. Well I was thinking, Jeremy, to get uh to really I think where you're going with the purpose of the fact that it is disunity is a real thing. But to take it a step further, it's the design of God. It, you know, in a fallen world and With the church being what it is. I think about the same church, Corinth, in the 11th chapter. Mm -hmm. We know this verse, but I mean, this has been so insightful for me and us as a church during this. Verse 18, For in the first place, when you come together as a church, I hear that there are divisions among you, and I believe it in part. And then he says this, For there must be factions among you in order that those who are genuine among you may be recognized. Mm -hmm. I mean, Alex, I think we've even talked about this, the The gift, can I say that? The gift of recognition, mm-hmm. uh, the window into souls, the oh, yeah. understanding of where people's allegiances are. And that may seem hard or harsh, but w- we need to call it like it is. I think this season, these two years, and we're talking about in our churches, uh, in other churches, in the church proper we have never had the x-ray vision that we have had mm-hmm. now mm-hmm. and it's because the divisions have shown us those that are genuine among mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. and i think we can say that more because we're what now men? like 18 months into yeah. this thing yeah. it's not like things have turned out the way they said and you know there's body bags in the streets and it's becoming clear as things dissipate and it becomes clearer people mm-hmm. have dug in on the other side and We can only really draw one conclusion
2: from that, as
1: unpopular as that Mm -hmm. is. And that flows right out of this letter Mm -hmm. in court. So I would say, Jeremy, yeah, by the hand of God, under the ordinance of God, there there needs to be disunity so that we recognize the genuine.
0: Mm -hmm. So let me ask you guys a pastoral question then. And uh, just a shout-out to our listener who suggested this uh, topic. You know who you are. Um, Thank you. It's a very great topic, and Mm -hmm. it's timely. So, I mean, the question that's going to be on a lot of people's minds, specifically people that have been to churches that maybe haven't taken a strong enough stance or in their mind haven't taken the right course, at what point do we extricate ourselves from a situation where um, perhaps there's not even a, a heretical view being expressed, or you know, perhaps the the doctrine is uh, being preached soundly, uh, but the leaders refuse to honor the Lord. I mean, at what point is it justified to, uh, I guess, to to break ranks? Well, I I, I know mean, this is not it's it's not a one size fits all answer here, but mm-hmm.
1: my answer, Jeremy. At this point, and let let me be clear: sixteen, seventy, and eighteen months, whatever it is now, would be a much more galvanized answer for the simple point of time. I think with the passage of time and closed churches, right? Uh, I think, and for example, we're dealing with one individual up north right now. Uh, I am personally who is going through this decision, and he has a few people that want to to gather. Uh, as a church and come out of a church and one of the things that he has said to me and this will get to your question he's like I just don't have the confidence and trust in the leadership right if they can't obey the Lord Jesus Christ Mm -hmm. how can I listen to them expound Mm -hmm. the word on other things and I think Jeremy look are we putting all the stock in that no but we are saying there's a principle there that I think is guiding Look, am I going to tell people to run, to leave churches? Alex, I mean, you jump in. I, I don't know if I would do that. But at the same time, I would definitely say you, at the very least, should be having a very strong, respectful, uh, urgent conversation yeah. with leadership about your concerns, because this is an obedience issue.
2: Yeah, I would I would go back to John 17, keeping them in your name, that they might be one, and mm. what what that actually means it, referring to their loyal allegiance to the gracious self-disclosure of the Son. Um, you're not, what, what Christians need to determine is, is my church and my leaders, are they uh, loyal to Jesus above all else? Mm. And is that loyalty manifest in their obedience of faith? Mm. Not what they say, Christ is Lord, what they do. Now, the tricky thing is, for all of us, there's a disconnect because we're sinners. Um, the, there's ways that we fail every day in our allegiance to Jesus. And so there needs to be a patient, prayerful um, process whereby we, we, we allow people the time uh, to come to those convictions. Right. And so I'm thinking, if we're having this conversation last April— I've said to people, I mean, I didn't have this stuff figured out until March, April, May. I don't know. Before. It was the end of the first lockdown before I, you know, the week bef- the week before it ended that I was like, nope, we're done. And it was not too long before that that it was really like even the convictions from Scripture were really clarified in my mind. Mm. So I just want to be patient and just say, look, the issue is whether there is a settled disposition against Obedience to Jesus. Mm. If they're just, there are lots of Christians in churches where the pastors haven't even ever thought of this, like me. They don't run in circles, either on the internet or in person, Mm -hmm. who have thought about these things. They just live in ignorance. Mm. I would say, as a church member, you go through a process of bringing the word to bear on the situation. Mm. Send them an article, a podcast. Send them something to think about. And and engage and pray for them. And engage in that process as a member of your church. Mm -hmm. All of our churches have problems. And if we just jump ship every time we realize there's an obedience issue, there would be no churches because Mm -hmm. every church has obedience issues. Mm -hmm. But the difference is if you're, what, 16, 17, how many months are we into this? And your pastor or leaders have shown no concern for the many scriptural passages about the danger of neglecting being together, about their duty to administer the word and the ordinances. Um, If they seem to be totally comfortable with isolation, or if if they have demonstrated, whatever they say through their actions, that their greatest allegiance is to the state, which is a lot of churches, you do need to leave. Mm. And you're not breaking unity at that point because there isn't unity. Right. Mm. The unity right. of a church is contingent upon its faithful allegiance to Jesus as revealed in his word. And if you have demonstrated then we all got things wrong, but if you have demonstrated that your highest allegiance is actually to someone or something else, then there's no unity. And you and not only are you permitted but you should actually go seek out mm. unity with other believers.
1: Mm. And one little piece, by the way, maybe for listeners, that you you think, well, how do I know that? What are things to look for? I I think of two examples we've heard of recently of two different churches where the pastors have preached on texts that for 2,000 years have been understood a particular way. Yes. Romans 13, Hebrews 10. And what you're hearing some of these pastors say in leadership is, I never saw this before. But now this is the way we understand it. I mean, listeners, there's your red. When you start to hear that coupled with what you're saying, Alex, look, we need to have grace. And there are, you know, we all had those three months at the beginning. But if you're hearing that coming out of your church now, I mean, you need to seriously, again, engage. I like what you're saying, Alex. Engage respectfully, Mm -hmm. right? Share resources with them Mm -hmm. respectfully as they are still your elders and leaders but certainly the concern level increases when you start to hear those things.
2: Yeah, Hebrews 10 doesn't actually mean we need to get together. Yeah. There's no real duty it uh, actually means uh, or the re- opposite. Yeah. Yeah, there's no <laughs> responsibility of Christians to gather for corporate worship despite the fact that virtually all Christians for 2000 years across space and time have thought that that's what the Bible said in
0: far harsher circumstances. Yeah, oh. that's just yeah.
2: it's just at that point that's a huge, huge red. That's flag. what we're saying. That's what we're saying. And you got to just you got to run. Yeah, and yeah. we're gonna we're gonna see this. I didn't even think about that till now, but this will be the next thing. It's not just our churches. It's what happens to the Christians who realize there's not a lot of union, unity in their church yeah. according to Scripture. Yeah, and there's an, there's an allegiance to this this group of people and this building and this brand or something. There's not a whole lot of allegiance to Jesus. And what, what are we going to do?
0: And I think come fall when they obviously try and lock us down again. Um, I think a lot of Christians that have maybe been bearing with it up until now thinking this is all just going to go away when they get the reality check that it's not all going to go away and their pastors don't start obeying. I think there might be a large exodus. Oh. um, So, I'm not sure what happens then because we're getting full. Yeah. You know, and, uh, you know, if any listeners are at that point, and unfortunately it's come to this where it's time to go, you know, reach out. We have a a list of pastors that are open Mm -hmm. across the country, across Mm -hmm. the province. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mm -hmm. You know, we've got members at Westmount that travel, uh, what, 250 kilometers Mm -hmm. to be with us on Sunday? A long way. A long way. And so.
2: Hmm. or elders if you're, you're yeah. elders want to talk about this yeah, i mean i i learned this from listening to other people so right. i mean I, i'm sure jason if, if there's a guy listening who's hmm. like man i i'm feeling this just how do we even how do i go by doing this right. none of my other elders are on the same page look we've we, we've we've been there and yeah, we've yeah. all had the shepherd yep. and we know people who are totally in that boat um who feel like if their congregation is going to throw them out, if they do, and their elder board, that's, you know, reach out. We would love to talk to you, get you connected with people, be praying for you
0: by all means. And if there are, and yeah, if there are any pastors or elders listening, uh, we'd, we'd love to point you in any uh, direction of resources. We've got Mm. a colloquium coming up in a couple of weeks Mm. uh, where we're going to be bringing people in to teach on a lot of these, uh, a lot of these issues. Mm. So reach out and, you know, ideally, um, pastors wake up and start to uh, start doing doing their job, mm. right? Yeah. Ideally, they open the doors, and you know we know what that's going to cause in a lot of congregations. But uh, I think the fruit will be incredible. Yeah. Where can they reach you, Jeremy at the Dominion Podcast dot com, and if if you need to contact Jason or Alex, just let me know and I'll forward that along to them. Yeah. Mm. Great. So, yeah, anything else you guys want to say before we wrap up here? This one's gone on uh, gone good and long. You know what it is, when you get the third person, that means you need fifty percent more content. Because fifty percent more opinions, right? Yeah, there it is. <laughs>
1: and filling a lot of space too, right? That's it's right. uh never been an issue for uh using words, that's for sure. So I don't don't know how much that's helped today. It's I've gone against the time crunch and
0: so. Well considering you can't preach a sermon in under an hour, this has been pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> right. Which by the way I love, you know.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> I am I am exaggerating slightly, uh, slightly Is there truth in every
1: joke, Jeremy? Yeah, is that truth, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's been
0: great. All right. Well, from Alex and Jason and I, we want to thank you for joining us and we'll see you next time on the Dominion Podcast. Um.